this week, I have been obviously thinking a lot about dedication and what it means. And so today, I want to invite you uh, to think along with me about the kinds of things that you think of when you hear the word dedication. And maybe it's about what you just experienced just a few minutes ago. The dedication of parents to a child or a life to God. Uh, maybe it's the dedication of a work of art or a piece of writing or a building, right? Something made in someone's honor for a specific purpose, for that person's cause, right? And when I think of dedication in the Christian context, I often think of whole lives given to God. I actually think of nuns, like the nuns that uh, trained my mom in nursing, and uh, the Franciscan nuns. And they still today live visibly and practically consecrated to God with their lives. They work tirelessly in so many areas of care and community service. And, uh, and I think of sanctuaries. I think of retreats. I think of religious centers where people go to dedicate their time and space to God. And I think of missionaries. I think of overseas missionaries or urban missionaries. Um, they move their whole lives, right, into another culture so that others can know Jesus and they can experience the gospel that they know. And every day, these servants are keenly aware of their mission before God. And then there's this part of me that is so in awe of that, right? I'm like, wow, that is impact. Like, you go do what you're doing and be you. That is so phenomenal. That is so inspiring. Um, there's a part of me that really wants that, right? I just want to be devoted that much, to, to have that kind of commitment, a life that can be focused like solely on the mission that God has given me and on his work in the world, on the kingdom, right, mission. Um, honestly, I used to think that pastors were like that. <laughs> I used to think, you know, if only I was like a pastor. If only I could put God at the center and dedicate my time to God's service, like for my day job. And then I'll be closer to being one of those whose life is set apart for God. And now I know better. <laughs> because that is my day job, and that is not my life. Um, maybe you're like me, and you know, you really get to that following Jesus. It's not a part-time thing. It's a whole life thing. Um, it's, but so much of our lives, you know, it's all rote, right? And necessity, and society, and culture. Um, but still, God is inviting us to a life of consecration and dedication. Holy, not in part. And when we look at Scripture, we hear the stories of those who have gone before us. Uh, we know stories of those who have gone before us even now. Uh, we can't get away from it. The Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational logical, intelligent act of worship. That's from Romans 12, first verse. 
Does God really expect that of us? What would that even look like? Um, Look at our lives. (laughs) Look at how limited they are. Look at how fragmented they are. We continue to be fatigued and spun about by a pandemic. There are so many practical issues and needs to be taken care of in our everyday lives. And not to mention there are many distractions and admittedly uh, really great amusements taking up our time. Well, Paul is talking to the church in Rome. There are people who are just like many of us here. They're Gentile and Jewish Christians. Uh, they come from various backgrounds. Some are more have more legalistic or religious backgrounds. Others um, have held beliefs in polytheism. Um, some neither here nor there, right, when it came to a faith system. But all had come to believe in Jesus, his life here on earth, his death, his resurrection. And they had come to believe in a spiritual rescue. So the Apostle Paul was saying, a life of dedication is the only reasonable response to that rescue, to the gospel. He says, therefore, I urge you. He's not recommending it. He's not suggesting it. He is urging everyone, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. He has just spent the last 11 chapters summarizing the importance of sacrifice. That was central to the Jewish faith and central to religion in the Roman Empire, in that polytheistic religion as well. And he gives us a clear picture through those 11 chapters of how broken we are and how our ways just don't measure up and how Jesus sacrificed himself in a mission of mercy that cost him everything. And Paul knew that his listeners would actually understand the significance of sacrifice, maybe more than we would today. They would really get that. But today, you know, that very same sacrifice, it's, it still brings everything that is dark into everything that is light. It still has that power. It gives us access to God the creator and to his kingdom, God with us, God in us, right? We bring that to every situation, the fruit of the Spirit. We bring love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness to every situation. We can do that because of this life, because of what he did on the cross. So what more do we need? What more do we want, right? How could we respond in any other way but to dedicate and consecrate ourselves to him? and to his cause, and even more so because we don't deserve it. So our response comes out of kind of a sense of indebtedness, a sense of gratitude, right? Paul uses a Greek word. It's logikos. I think I said that right. I'm not sure. Logikos. To describe why we should sacrifice or dedicate ourselves. I found that fascinating, that it means rational, logical, intelligent, reasonable, right? To our minds, it is, because that's why we love all those, those epic stories, right? We love all those stories like Star Wars, right? Uh, Rogue One, I have to say that because I'm a Star Wars fan. Rogue One, uh, Jen and Cassian, right? They are, all the rebels are, are just obliterated, consumed by this massive blast, and, but it's just after they uh, delivered the schematics that's going to bring 
a new hope, right? And each of the rebels after that, the ones that survive, they are going to make this sacrifice count. They are resolved. And we cheer when we think of Jean Valjean. Do you know Jean Valjean? Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, Les Mis. And he dedicates his life, we love that story, to improving the lives of those in need, right? It's a response to the love and the mercy of a bishop who bought his freedom. And Jean Valjean, he's equally willing throughout this story to give up his own life for freedom, the freedom and benefit of others. So God is inviting each one of us to a life of consecration and dedication because if we follow Jesus, then we have to follow him into a life of dedication. Jesus lived a life of consecrated moments that were all about honoring God. Whenever he, wherever he found himself, uh, whether it was at the dinner table with some questionable company, or healing a blind man, or finding time alone, even when he brought Lazarus back from the dead, he said... This is about my Father's glory and honor. So moment by moment, Jesus lived for his Father's glory and honor. Jesus was God. He's going on a rescue mission. He's giving up everything. He's sacrificing himself. And he showed us what it looked like to love without condition, to do it for someone else's good, just so he could obliterate the power of sin. And in case you think, as I've heard said, um, well, Jesus was God. Of course, he consecrated his life. It wasn't that hard for him. Check again. Uh, let me take you to Gethsemane, where we see a consecrated moment. We see God in agony, devastated by anxiety and a grief, a severe grief that he felt because he was also in human form, that he might die from it. In Mark 14, 32 to 36, it says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So here is where Jesus he is the one who commanded the wind and the waves. He is the one who commanded the powers of darkness. He lays down all that control. He lays down all his power. He says, even now, I know this plan can be changed. But he will not choose that. He will not choose that. He dedicates himself instead to God and to his will. Talk about dedication. So Jesus lived a holy life, a life wholly dedicated to God, but he did it so that we could do it too. He said in John 17, 19, for their sake I sanctify myself to do your will so that they also may be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, and made holy in your truth. 
So Jesus invites us to follow him, but he also invites us to be wholly dedicated, to live these lives. And it seems right. It seems reasonable. So the question is, how? Paul continues in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is connecting this dedication of ourselves, this consecration of ourselves, not to, to not doing things the old way. Um, maybe if, even if the old way feels natural, feels, feels normal, he's saying, renew your mind. So what if, what if a dedicated life is a lifetime of renewals? What if a dedicated life is a lifetime of dedicated moments of renewal? What sets apart these moments is our wholeheartedness, right? The wholeheartedness of our dedication, that moment. And that, I think I've been learning about. It's a kind of posture. The Gospels record so many moments of Jesus renewing his dedication to doing God's will. From the time he was 12 years old, he was about his father's business, right? That's the glimpse we have into his childhood. That's in the book of Luke. And in the wilderness, under great temptation, he was tempted by Satan himself. And you know what? Jesus kept the same posture, your will first. And he used scripture to renew his thoughts. And those were moments of dedication for Jesus. And a lifetime gladly is made up of moments. We want to live a dedicated life. So what if we did that moment by moment? Keeping the posture of Jesus and setting down what feels normal, what feels natural. This is the way I'm going to be. And asking the Holy Spirit to renew our minds instead. Just like Jesus, when he was in ministry, in the garden, at Gethsemane, just like Paul hoped for the church in Rome, we can keep that grateful, dependent posture. And we can resolve to go the way that God wants, even in the little things. And when, what we get out of it, you know what? It's not always the situation fixed, right? It's not always the circumstance gets better. But it's a better outcome. Because we have a renewed mind and ongoing transformation. According to Paul, transformation is what happens when we constantly renew our minds moment by moment. Be transformed, he says. Be transformed. That's passive. It's actually what happens to us when we work on that renewing our minds, that lifelong process of transformation actually just happens. And when we do that, we approve the will of God. That means we just understand and we agree about what God wants of us, and we put it into practice. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this I just find so motivating. Because transformation 
in each of these moments is God's kingdom come. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what? I am learning that that is an everyday thing. Um, I wake up in the morning and I am still tired. (laughs) Those of you who know me know I'm not a morning person. Um, And sometimes I even feel anxious when I wake up in the morning. And mornings are just not pretty for me. Uh, I think God gets this. (laughs) And I can still keep that posture in the morning, though. I still can dedicate my day. And yes, sometimes that does not last long. Um, There was a day just this past week uh, when I was like, wow, I'm going to have a great and quiet and productive day. I'm coming to the office. Nobody's going to be there. um, And I'm going to get lots. I'm going to just whip through my work. And that's not what happened. Uh, People got in the way. People who, in my estimation, they needed to think differently and act differently and different um, and have the same pure and saintly values as me. So at that moment, I felt the Spirit of God give me a little nudge. And I love how he doesn't expect us to renew our minds all by ourselves, right? Um, All those feelings were still there, but I managed to lay down and sacrifice those feelings that I had and dedicate my response to the situation to God. Uh, I had chosen to see that situation as something that, that could be transformed. The situation could be transformed because I was there and because God was transforming me. So I hope that I took some love and joy and patience into that situation, that stressful situation that day. And I think that's God's kingdom growing right, in our lives. We can all do that over and over, live a life dedicated to God's honor in that way, uh, in the car. That's where I was when I took that posture in the car driving, whether it's in your work or with your belongings or your finances or in your relationships. These moments that we have when we deal with these things, uh, we dedicate our children as the Naps did today, um, and we dedicate our children every day, right? I mean, if, 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 de- if raising children is not a moment-by-moment dedication, then I don't know what is. Um, dedicating our creations, our innovations, whatever it is that you're rehearsing right now, uh, your schooling, your plans, all the little pieces of those things, all in small moments. And this word, dedication, it can permeate your whole life. God is inviting each of us to live a life of moments of dedication including this one right now. So let's pray together, just quietly, each on our own. Let's ask God to bring to our minds, um, your mind, my mind, right now, or just at the right time today or this week, the answer to this question. In this moment of quiet and prayer, what is it that God is asking you to dedicate to him. Let's just reflect on that for a minute.
And sometimes God has a plan. Do you know how this feels? For the life of us, we just don't know what it is. And that's when dedicating the little pieces that you're working through to him can put us in the right posture to see and hear and understand. So let's take some time to reflect on this one more question as well. As you take this posture of dedication, what glimpse into God's perspective are you seeing or understanding that you may not have seen before? And let's pray. Father, we give you this moment. We thank you for each one who has come today, each one who is listening uh, today, each one who um, it will be listening this week sometime. And we know that this moment is yours. We give it to you, Lord. And, uh, and God, we thank you that, that you, you create and you orchestrate moments like this for our benefit so we can renew our minds, so we can stop and recognize your presence in our lives. And so, Father, we pray this week that powerful moments with you, eye-opening moments with you would happen as we take on the posture of depending on you, of recognizing that you are God and you deserve the honor and the glory for, of every moment, of every conversation, everything we do. We pray all this in Jesus' name.